Welcome to Zero show of entrepreneurship and regional development podcast. Each publication in our journal is a great opportunity to share significant and audacious contributions to a large audience. My guest today is Pablo Munoz from Durham University and also from the Universidad del Desarrollo de Santiago de Chile. He published an article entitled Living on the Slops Entrepreneurial Preparedness in a Context Under Continuous Threat. He co-authored this paper with Jonathan Kimmitt, Ewald Kibler, and Stefan Forney. Pablo, welcome to our podcast. Hello, thank you. Thanks for the invitation. This article has been published in the volume 31, numbers 5 and 6 of Entrepreneurship and Regional Development, a journal edited by Taylor and Francis. First of all, Pablo, can you tell us what is the origin of your paper? Why have you decided to address this particular topic? And what is the question you aim to answer with your paper? So, um, well, we, we've been interested in, in post-disaster entrepreneurship. I, I'm Chilean, um, and as you might know, Chile is a, is a, is a country with, um, yeah, I mean, constantly exposed to disasters, right? So, um, earthquakes um, and volcanic eruptions and floods and uh, <laughs> something, right? So, and it's over and over again. So, and, and we have this sort of, a, uh, in our nature, we, we tend to bounce back Quite, quite quickly and, and support each other. So it's I mean, disasters is a big thing. Um, and in, in 2015, I was I was living in Chile at that, at that time. Um, yeah, that was a year I returned to the UK. And uh, and the volcano, uh, the Vulcan volcano erupted. Um, so we thought, well, I guess this is a good opportunity to to be able to um, go and, and collect some data down there, right? So we've been, we've been collecting data for over the years until today, and, and this paper basically captures the first two years of, of, of data collection. So Calabuco uh, um, volcano erupted, and we thought, well, okay, let's go down there and just try to figure out what's what's going on, right? And what trigger the um, so first of all the, the chance of being there right after. Um, so we, we came down, this was, um, I think it was April and by May we already have someone, um, on site, uh, collecting data and the original, I mean, the first, what triggered data collection was a government, uh, program. So they redesigned uh, a seed funding program current. I mean, that was, that's normally used to support entrepreneurship in the country, like generally. Uh, to, to make it available in, in reconstruction, right, and recovery activities, um, but for obviously targeting uh, entrepreneurs. So we thought, well, I mean, let's see what's going on um, in sort of in that in that space. So we went down there, we interviewed uh, policymakers, um, people from I mean, civil society organizations in general, and um, and entrepreneurs as well. So. Then, then we went back in, in 2016 um, and we found ourselves, I mean, it's trying to, I mean, just as a follow-up, right, to see how things were, were kind of uh, unfolding and, and, uh, and what, what was going on with, the, with all the recovery activities and whether government programs were um, actually having some, some effect on, on, on those sort of recovery activities. And obviously we, 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 we found out that um, <laughs> we're very helpful. Uh, so, but what we found, though, it's, it's I mean, what we realized that it's, it's what was going on with the entrepreneurs themselves and then what they were doing um, right after 
So the connection between right after and right before, because as we were collecting data, tremors started again, and there well, the expectations that there will be an, an, a new eruption in the coming week, right? That was the, the time we were, we were there. So we, we managed to capture everything that was happening um, and, and how entrepreneurs were preparing themselves for this next one, right? So we managed the, the right after, which is very difficult to capture um, in, in, I mean, in terms of data collection. Um, and we managed to capture something that is even more difficult to capture, which is the right before, right? Uh, a, a crisis of, of the kind, right? Um, because crises by nature are really difficult to anticipate, therefore really difficult to collect data on. Um, so that was that was the, the the context, and then after realizing that there was this sort of a very like, steep learning curve where they were adding resources to the, um, not just about financial resources, right, but adding sort of a learning um, and adding sort of a knowledge of how to react and how to improve and how to prepare themselves for the next one. We realized that that was a, that was a big thing, um, and currently not being tackled by by my research. Um, and this is a context that's been under continuous threat, right? So these are communities living in, in a volcano area, um, and particularly the area we focus on is called Ensenada. They live in between two active volcanoes, right? So it's just a matter of time, right? And these two have been like constantly erupting over the, the past hundred years. People don't live um, the place, so that means that. Um, so these are uh, communities of, well, in this case, business owners that have been um, taken over from their parents and the grandparents, right? So continuing their businesses, but these are families have been exposed to um, volcanoes eruption. So the 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 right the right after and before. There's a, there's some sort of a connection to what was happening with the parents and the parent reaction. So it's a, it's a sort of a, there's there's a learning happening in between the the this new eruption, but there's a learning um, and an assets being integrated into the like fabrics of the community and the obviously lives of um, of the entrepreneurs that they use over and over again when the new when the crisis strikes. So. So the, the, the paper then became one where we we're trying to figure out um, how these sort of entrepreneurs living in, in communities under continuous threat prepare themselves to continue with the well, enterprise and activity and engage, eventually engage in new ones after the expected crisis occurs. And that's, that was, again, we thought, well, this is fairly novel. So when, when is the right, again, as I said, the, the right after and the right before. And, and, and we thought, well, there has to be something here that we can contribute to the literature because methodologically, uh, what and again, I mean, because it's really difficult to access these places. And um, and and if you go through the many papers out there looking at post-disaster entrepreneurship, they normally rely on data that was collected months months after, um, and normally through uh, secondary evidence. Um, so, I mean, it's. So being able to capture emotions, reactions, um, uh, immediate learning um, activities, and so on is really difficult, right? So you have to rely on a lot of uh, <laughs> tricky interpretation, right, to be able to make sense of that um, with data that was collected um, a year after. So that's what we that what we decided to do with the paper.
Okay. That's it. That's the story. That's the story. You know. Love you the know. the stories yeah. behind research project. What are the main contributions of your paper? So we found um, this was a story of of preparedness, right? So this is about learning and um, and preparing preparing for the next one. So it's, it's gearing up for the next disaster. So we found four mechanisms that entrepreneurs use to uh, prepare themselves for the next disaster. Um, there's well, the, the labeling is it's a uh, it's uh, say it's it's uh, yeah sometimes impenetrable, right? So it's called anchor, anchor reflectiveness. If you experience breaking through and reaching out, but in essence, they all represent different aspects of preparation. So there are activities, the inward-looking activities, there are outward-looking activities, forward-looking activities, and backward-looking activities. So things they do in many different directions that allows them to again build a set of repertoire of new resources and prepare themselves for, for, for the next one, right? And that they explain not just the that idea of normally get resilience of, of bouncing back, right? So being able to uh, recover and then and then restart. But also since there's a, there's a forward and outward looking activities, uh, there's always this sort of a bounce forward, right? Um, and that preparing for the next one is not just about recovering what it was there. Building something different, something else, right for for the next um, for the next disasters that they know it will happen. It's just a matter of time. And then, in terms of uh, what that means, uh, obviously, we 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 try to add to crisis literature uh, on on post-disaster entrepreneurship because we elaborate this concept of entrepreneurial preparedness on the continuous threats. Again, against those sort of a notion explaining immediate reactions. Um, so, is it kind of a take this sort of long-term view? Um, well. Yeah, so it's a year um, of of of, of um, preparation, um, and and as we do that, I mean, we provide a deeper understanding of how entrepreneurs are constantly threatened with with a lot of lots of resources, prepare themselves to react and overcome um, the the next crisis event. We also add to um, entrepreneurship resilience uh, literature by by adding like bringing this element of entrepreneurial preparedness. Uh, into that literature, right? And that's the, not just, the, again, the bouncing back, but this bouncing forward uh, when the crisis, um, uh, when following a, a crisis event and preparing ourselves for, for, for the next one. Um, and, and how these organizations, are, although they're rather small, I mean, this is, this is a small town and, and it's just small, most of them are, are tourism-based organizations. And how they can contribute to the development of resilient infrastructures in, in, in the community, right? Because they, they allow the community to recover by doing what they do, right? So this is fairly natural learning um, activities. Okay, many contribution there. Uh, what are, was for you the, the main theoretical or maybe methodological challenges in addressing such a question? Um, well, I mean, as I was mentioning, this is a sort of an unfolding paper. Is, is I mean, part of an important part of it was like elaborating, elaborating data collection was was coming in, and we just we like just realizing uh, what was going on 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 site. But I guess um, in terms of methodological challenges, about uh, having access to a disaster zone, right? So first and foremost, it's it's really challenging. There's there are many many challenges, right? So be, being able to access to exclusion zones, right? So in the paper we have a map um, with the um, 
with the, the, the disaster zone and with three circles, right? So it's a red zone, a yellow zone, and a green zone. And and the, the red zone basically is an exclusion zone, right? So it's really difficult to access that area because the volcano is still active and it's dangerous, right? So we managed to have some sort of access to those areas and, and because people don't leave, right? So if you want to interview them, you have to go to those areas, right? So we managed to have access to that. Um, so being, I guess, lucky enough um, to be on site, um, or to be able to be on site right after, a month after, and, and most importantly, right before, right? Um, but that was pure luck, right? Always these methodological challenges that we were lucky to um, just just be on site um, to, to be able to capture preparation. And theoretically, um, obviously, we, we, we were in the original, as I mentioned, the, the intention was to, to try and figure out what was going on with this sort of a government program, so the role of policy. So that we never thought of... Um, preparedness, right, as a, as a main driver of, of research. So we had to, we had to leverage um, literature, right? So the, an important part of the analytical work and the, the theorization was conductively developed, right? So we had to leverage a theory that is not in the disaster literature, which is called entrepreneurial preparedness, that normally is used to explain pre-start um, phase activities, so, so how entrepreneurs prepare themselves to start a business. So we need to we have to move that literature into disaster literature into our findings and try and combine the two in sort of a, in a conceptual fit exercise to be able to elaborate what we wanted to elaborate. So, um, and the the third one um, I guess is it's read beyond emotional distress um, right after right before right. So because there was there was a sort of a learning process happening right, but in the interviews what you have is a lot of emotional responses um, and you have to read in between the lines, right? So try and trying to remove, because that's obviously, that attracts a lot of your attention, right? When you see this sort of uh, emotional reactions. Um, but then you have to sort of uh, remove that from, from your analysis and say, okay, let's try and, and capture, in this case, learning processes, right? And don't feel tempted by the, the emotional responses that normally, yeah, obviously they're, they're there, they're impressive and, that's, uh, that's also, I guess, a challenge. During your research journey, what was your biggest surprise or the most counterintuitive result? Um, yes, the first one is, is how crises get normalized over time. Um, and when we read, we read papers in, on, on post-disaster entrepreneurship, we, we tend to stay with the, again, the sort of big emotional responses. But ultimately, and probably to do with the, with the, the uniqueness of Crises just get normalized, and people just learn and carry on, and 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 they start again. Right? Um, it's not as spectacular as you would hope. Uh, sometimes, then there's the the bounce forward um, um, effect that we're just explaining. So it's not just about like going back to what it was, but in in, in so there's this sort of forward looking activities, right, whereby they can uh, bounce forward and and, and do it again. And um, also the, the, the range of resources they, they use um, and then they integrate into their repertoire of actions. Um, this is not just about using financial resources um, to start again, but, but adding like and constantly adding this new sort of a new, new set of uh, actions, right? So where they, they turn it into some sort of assets, right? And it's not just that period of time, like the one year, 
but we we observe that they constantly bring things from the past, right? So how the parents reacted to the whatever nineteen fifty eruption, how the grandparents reacted to the nineteen twenty eruption, and they 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 bring those sort of uh, um, elements, right? So things that the parents learned into the present. Um, um, yeah, to the present day and how they react um, to it. And I guess the, the other one is is that you you would hope uh, to find things like social cohesion and communities getting together. Uh, but but here there's there's a lot of um, self preservation, right? And and individualistic, which is not. I mean, there's nothing wrong with it, right? So it's just people like save save yourself sort of reaction. And and it's not that they disregard what other are. Or the suffering of others, right? But they say, okay, this is what I have to do. This is how I reconstruct my business. This is what I do, right? So there's a lot of I that against the what you you can find in other um, in other literature. What are the main implications of your work for entrepreneurs, managers, or practitioners in general? So first, it's the um, so. The, can show the, the range of resources they have at their disposal, right? So this is not just about financial resources, uh, which is constantly the main, the, the focal point, right? So after, I mean, as we're going through the, the pandemic, most of the conversation is about, okay, what sort of financial resources do we um, provide, right? Can we provide to entrepreneurs? But here it's, it's much wider. Um, in, in terms of um, what they use to bounce back and bounce forward. And I guess this is relevant because crises um, are becoming more and more recurrent, right? So with, with climate change, we're constantly seeing on the news, either due to drought and floodings or, I mean, you name it, right? So communities are constantly being exposed to um, crises. So the, the continuous threat against the one-off, it's, it should be the new normal. So therefore, having kind of a, this an understanding of the, the, the resources they use, I guess it can give that sort of uh, edge. And, and, and to policymakers, I think related to that is the yeah, is it sort of a, the policy approach they, they, they use. Um, because again, constantly, is, I mean, it's about, it's normally reactive um, support. But here, if we know that communities get, can, can get better prepared uh, to face the next crisis, possibly is a better alternative to support them before, right? to get them to, yeah, just kind of a, to, to be at the point that they're ready to face the next crisis instead of just reacting when the crisis um, hits. Thanks a lot, Pablo, for participating to our show. All our podcasts are available on entrepreneurship-erd.com and on the main podcast platforms. Thank you.